Good afternoon and Merry Christmas. My name is Taylor Greenhill and I am the worship pastor here at Faithbrook Church. It's Christmas Eve and it's a wonderful time full of joy and anticipation and hope. And so whether you're joining us in person or whether you're joining us online, we're just so grateful that you're here with us on this Christmas Eve to celebrate the birth of our Savior. Well, Christmas is always such a crazy time of year, so I just wanna make sure that we are all in the loop about what's going on here at Faithbrook over the next couple of weeks. So tomorrow is Christmas Day, and we hope you have a Merry Christmas with your family and friends at your home, but we will not be having a Sunday morning service on Christmas Day. Now, the following Sunday is New Year's Day, and traditionally here at Faithbrook, we do not have a service the Sunday after Christmas. And so on New Year's Day, we will not be having an in-person service, but we will have an online-only service that you can view through our website, and it'll start at 10 o'clock on that Sunday morning. Now, we hope that you'll join us back here in person on January 8th. We're gonna be starting a brand new series called Five Questions. And Pastor Jim's gonna be focusing on five different questions that Jesus used to disciple his followers, to help them grow deeper in faith. And so we hope that you'll join us for that five-week series. It's gonna be a great time of spiritual growth, and we hope that you will join us for that. Well, now I'd like to welcome Pastor Jim as he comes and concludes our series, It's a Wonderful Christmas. Last week, I got the opportunity to kind of play Santa Claus and give some generous groceries to some needy families. Uh, the Lions in Maple Grove are in conjunction with Foods Cubs, and they take their proceeds through the years, and they buy up a whole bunch of groceries, and then they call churches and say, hey, do you know any needy families in your community or in your church? If so, we have some, literally some tubs of groceries for these families. And so our staff and I just thought about it and we said, well, we can identify a couple of families and we'll take three of those tubs. They said, well, uh, why don't you come by on this Saturday at a Maple Grove Fire Department and you will uh, receive these, these groceries and you dispense of them. So I, I showed up with, with my truck and I didn't realize how many uh, people were showing up to receive these groceries and disperse them. Uh, I didn't realize how large of operation this was but there must have been 50 to 75 cars in line and they drove you around the back of this fire station and they opened up the doors and there was two lines at three cars at a time that drove in there and there was a whole bunch of these lions people there with these tubs of groceries. And they said, how many are you, are you taking? I said, well, three. And for every family, they gave you four of these tubs. And I, I bet you the, the groceries for each one added up to $200. You talk about generosity, you talk about just giving, and so it's just vehicle after vehicle loading up all these, these groceries and they disperse throughout the communities. Well, uh, one of these uh, totes or this package of families made it to a older gentleman that's associated with our church his health is really frail, uh, and he's really had a tough year. He tries to watch us online, and we thought, well, let's give him uh, this package of groceries. And so one of our members uh, found him and, and took it there and placed it on his doorstep and rang the doorbell, and he received these four large tubs of groceries. Later that day, I received a phone call message from him that went like this. Pastor Jim, I'm calling you to thank you and the church 
for these four magical boxes of groceries. And the thank you for the member who is willing to take them to my house. I was praying that morning that my health could improve and somehow I could be a better contributor to my society and the church. And lo and behold, there was these boxes of groceries, complete with all the fixings and a Christmas turkey. Thank you so much again. Please pass on my appreciation. I can't express enough how this generosity has encouraged me and my family. I would suggest to you that this is a great example of the power of generosity from communities and individuals. And that's what God's all about, and that's why uh, Faith Brooks is all about. And I want to welcome you today. I know this is a special uh, eve as we gather with families. Many of you are looking forward to having a Christmas Eve dinner or gathering tomorrow. Some people are gathering, and it is a very special time in our society. Once a year, we gather the kids, maybe grandkids, and it's, and it's an excuse to uh, drink a lot of eggnogs and cookies and have a blast uh, just around the tree, opening presents as we are generous to each other. It's also time to reflect of the Christ child, and thank you for viewing. Thank you for coming today as we just set aside an hour at least to worship and honor him. Now, if you've been around Facebook this, this Christmas season, you know that our theme has been, It's a Wonderful Christmas. We've been inspired by the old classical movie, It's a Wonderful Life, starring Jimmy Stewart, who finds himself playing George Bailey, and George Bailey finds himself in trouble. He needs some help. He is in debt at least $8,000, or he's going to jail. Before you know it, the community and people start being incredibly generous to him and bailing him out. Well, 2,000 years ago, the world needed bailed out. The world was in trouble. Everyone was begrudging and obligated to the Roman Empire, who ruled the world with an iron fist, especially the Jewish people who lost their nationality and their hope. The people were empty, hopeless, angry and hurting. They needed a savior, something or someone who would give them hope, bring love and life to them because the human heart was growing cold and sinful. God saw their need. He saw humankind's debt. And just at the right time, he pierced the darkness and gave himself. This start uh, was the beginning of Christmas. And Luke, the writer of one of the Gospels, records it this way. And they were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with an angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Hope and salvation for the world started to peek through the darkness. God was on the move. 
And God was taking the first steps of generosity and goodness for all of mankind. Luke, the gospel writer, continues, So it was, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see the things that have come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Made known to us. Who are we to receive this proclamation? We are just mere shepherds, kind of the lower class in our society, the nomadic people who are rough and dirty, and all the people God proclaimed the good news to us. These shepherds were impacted. And the scriptures tell us that they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Now when they have seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told to them coming coming of this Christ. They started sharing the good news. They started being generous with their time and their efforts. It was like the first stone of the good news and generosity was thrown into the lake of humanity. And the ripple effects of the goodness and the love and the power of God started impacting all of humanity and world history. Now the scriptures tell us a couple weeks later, another class of men showed up to experience this Christ child. They were called magi, or some translation called them wise men. They were not nomadic, rough shepherds. They were sophisticated, maybe high-class astrologers and maybe professors from the East. Persians, many believe, that watched the galaxies, that read the scholars, that read other religions, and through their education, they realized the Jewish prophets always prophesied about some special Messiah coming for the Jewish people. It would be their Lord. It would be their Savior, their Deliverer, and the signs of God would show in the galaxy. Well, at those times, an unusual star showed up, and they took note of that star, the Bethlehem star that was moving and beckoning them to go west. And they took some gifts, and they went to the west. And there they found themselves in modern-day Israel, that was authorized and governed by a King Herod, a tyrannical, egotistic authority from the Roman Empire. He noticed he got word that there were some Persians coming into his territory, some wise people, and that was inquiring about some kind of Messiah, a king of the Jews, and how dare there be someone that would compete for his authority. And he inquired of these magi, who are you looking for? They said, well, the prophets have talked about a coming king for the Jews. That's who we're looking for. He wanted to know because he was trying to uh, annihilate any kind of God or Messiah for the Jews. Matthew catches up with the story and says, after they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they have seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. They found him. This must be it. And coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then the scripture tells us they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to the country by another route. It was this Bethlehem star that caught their attention, 
There was something divine, something unique about the star that was beckoning to go west. And they obeyed the star and eventually found that maybe it was a stable, maybe it was a, a room somewhere where this divine baby was there. They entered into that space with those humble parents and they realized they were in the presence of divinity the son of God, in a form of a baby boy. And the scriptures tell us that these magi bowed and they worshiped. This baby would eventually change the world and split time in half, and they were awestruck. We also notice that they gave. They gave gifts that would honor a a king, and they gave to worship. Could it be that this giving of these gifts was a catalyst, the beginning of the whole Christmas giving tradition. Could it be that God's love who gave himself through his son was the beginning of generosity and especially in our culture? Isn't it true that John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave, he gave his beloved son. Is not God the God of love? And love demands and propels us to give. Someone says you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And I would submit to you, if there's any generosity of care and compassion, it comes from the heart of God who so loved and stepped out and modeled generosity from the very beginning. We live in a a wonderful uh, country, America, And throughout uh, the fabric of America, generosity has been a high value, especially around the season of Christmas. This is why we see organizations and churches and individuals giving sacrificially and generously in this time of season. It comes from the heart of God, and you see it in many different places. In fact, this last month, KTIS on the radio has been doing some very generous things. They are just one of several institutions and clubs or societies or companies that want to give because it comes from the beginning of Christmas. You think about it. God's generosity started the greatest force for good in the world. God's goodness is the greatest force in the world for good. Think, think with me in the beginning of America. Who's the one that started institutions of education for higher learning? Was it the government? What, was it professors? No, it was church denominations that says we need to educate people. It was the churches that started the hospitals and the clinics in America. When people started addressing the end of slavery, it wasn't politicians. It was Christians who influenced the politicians. In 1780, William Wilberforce was so taken by Christ's love that he started seeing what Christ saw, that no person of color ought to be enslaved. And he realized the slavery of Africans in England needed to stop. And for 20 years, he led a campaign to get the parliament to change their laws that black people and Africans could be free. Across the Atlantic, There was a new president that also was a Bible-believing, devoted Christian named Abraham Lincoln, and he saw and felt the same conviction. And Abraham Lincoln was willing to wage a war to abolish slavery in America. This shouldn't surprise us, because throughout our country's history, 
you would see the church of Jesus Christ on the front lines, the front lines of poverty, of charity, of soup lines, of caring. It's embedded in the fabric of our society to care for our neighbors. When the Americas was started being pioneered, it was the, the missionaries through the Catholic Church or the Protestant Church that started schools and started hospitals. They would find ways to get people jobs, and eventually democracy would be given birth by the Christian people that influx these new lands. And God's people had never stopped. In fact, I would suggest to you that the greatest force for good in the world is also the greatest, largest distribution system in the world. See, there's a lot of little villages in third world countries. And all these villages, many of them don't have a hospital. They don't have a fire department. They don't have a school. Some of them don't have a clinics. They don't even have a, a Federal Express office. But they do have a church. And in that church, these people are willing to care and to love and deliver services. It's the greatest, largest force and distribution system in the world. A case study of this would be Operation Christmas Child. So Samaritans first um, sponsors this apparatus that the local people in America could give little shoeboxes full of little gifts and toys. And these shoeboxes would go to third world nations and kids in these villages and under poverty receive some kind of Christmas present. Well, this started in 1993. And since then, over 188 million of these shoeboxes have been delivered to kids in need in over 170 different countries. Fortunately, Faithbrook in the last couple of years has entered into this partnership and you have donated little toys and trinkets and things that will go to these kids in poverty. Uh, the Red Cross made note that in 2005, when Hurricane Katrina uh, ravaged the, the Gulf Coast, there were so many people that needed food and, and meals and housing. They noted that 90% of the meals given in that tragedy were given by local Christians from local churches. It was the Christ followers that showed up to give compassion, to give sacrificially. Why? Why did they do that? Because it's part of our DNA. It's a part of God's love. And God's generosity is the greatest force for good in the world. Many people might not appreciate this greatest force for good. Many people tried to destroy the church. And for centuries, people tried to stamp out the good news of Christ and persecute the leaders or be hostile to leaders or be skeptical or scoffed at Christianity. But God's church never suffered. It is always growing. It is always moving. And today, thousands of people are still coming to Christ around the world. But wait, why would people give to generosity? It doesn't generosity cost us something? Won't people take advantage of it? Isn't it hard work and sometimes it's messy and you might have to sacrifice? Why would the Christian people do this? Because God so loved us that he gave. And God would be the first one to step into the messiness. God would be the first one to be sacrificial by giving the most valuable thing he had, his son, Jesus Christ. So that, so that if anyone would believe, believe they would not perish and have everlasting love, life. It's because of that love that people are willing to give. 
It's because that all of us are like what John Newton said in Amazing Grace, that he would save a wretch like us, that we could have eternal life through him. It is the love of God that compels people to be the greatest force for good in the world. Even with all the hard work, even with all the sacrifice, because God's love never gave up, the church will never give up. It's the reason why we give in America from from gifts under the trees to people maybe on the street or in uh, shelters. We give because it all started with God giving at Christmas. Now this aspect of generosity and the force of good in America and around the world is demonstrated in this classic movie of It's a Wonderful Life. Where we see this character, George Bailey, who's disgruntled, he's depressed. He is in debt and the federal agents see that they believe that he scanned his bank and loan out of $8,000 and he doesn't have a dime to his name. He's so depressed and so discouraged that he just wants to leave it all. And he finds himself praying out to God. If he had one wish, it would be like, I'd just like to not ever live before. God heard his Christ, his call. And he was sent a kind of a, a corny angel named Clarence. And, and Clarence would get his attention and, and then answer that prayer and say, okay, George Bailey, let's see what your life would be like. Let's see what your city would be like. Let's see what your family would be like if you were never around. And eventually, through this journey, George Bailey started waking up that his life did count. His life did count to God. His life did count to his family and his community. And George Bailey literally found new life through God's intervention. But more than that, George Bailey would also receive the generosity of God through the good people of Bedford Falls. And we see the climax of this movie as people came to bail out his debt in front of the federal agents who were there to arrest him and take him to jail. Let's check this out. Mary did it, George. Mary did it. She told some people you were in trouble with it. They scattered all over town collecting money. Didn't ask any questions. Just in charge in trouble. And tell me, you what is this? Uh, like it's spread like spread. Another run on the bank. Here, George. Merry Christmas. There we are. The lion farms on the right. The lion coming, George. It's from London. Oh. Mr. Gower cabled you need cash. Stop. My office instructed to advance you up to $25,000. Stop. Hee-haw and Merry Christmas, Sam Wainwright. Oh. 
a blizzard. Oh, Harry, how about your banquet in New York? Oh, I left right in the middle of it. As soon as I got Mary's telegram. Good idea, Ernie. A toast. <laughs> to my big brother, George, the richest man in town. <laughs> George Bailey received and started realizing that he was the richest man in Bedford Falls because of the goodness and the heart of God, because these people believed in being generous, because God believed in being generous. Jesus said it's better to give than receive. And it all happened because God's generosity that began at Christmas began the greatest force for good in the world. That's the heart of God. So what do we do with his generosity? What do we do with his value that is demonstrated by giving of his son? Can I give you three things to take home today? Number one, receive God's generosity. See, we are all fallen short. We are all in debt to God. God expected us to live for him and to live in a righteous way. And, and we fail at that. We are in debt with him. But God so knew this and loved us that he sent himself to pay the price, to pay the penalty, and eventually be hung on the cross for us, for our sins. But if we would repent and own that and confess that, God's amazing grace would forgive us and cleanse us and heal us from our iniquities and forgive us that we could be made new, that he enters into our life. It is the greatest gift in the world. Receive God's love for you and his forgiveness. Number two, celebrate his generosity. This is the time of the year to celebrate, to cheer, to laugh, to be merry, to smile, to give, uh, drink eggnog, eat cookies, be around families, make jokes. It is a time of celebration because of God's generosity. And thirdly, pass it on. Who can we care? Who can we give to? Who can we love? Who needs our love? Maybe this next coming year, can you make it a goal in your life? I want to be more generous as Christ was more generous. Who can I partner with to impact the world or impact a neighbor or impact a friend in a generous way? See, this is God's heart. He created the greatest force for good in the world. And people have been celebrating it for centuries. And a lot of times they celebrate it with songs or carols. And one of the songs that has been around for a long time, in fact, it was displayed in the end of this movie, is Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It's an old one and a, and a good one. It was composed by a Charles Wesley and a George Whitfield in England over 200 years ago. And what, why this song is so powerful and everlasting is because it encompasses the, the corporate of the Gospels. It shares about who Christ is and what he did, and, and it compilates all the things of Christ in one carol and one hymn. One of the verses says, Late in time, behold him come, offsprings of a virgin womb, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, hail the heavenly Prince of Peace, hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he bring, rising from his healing wings. Mild delay his glory by, born that man no more, no more may die. Born to raise the son of earth, born to give a second birth. 
Well, to demonstrate this generosity and the love of God and his light, everyone has received a candle. And as we sing this song, I wanna invite you to pass the light in, in a symbolic way of passing God's love and passing in God's generosity. And then in return, just to look at these words and sing this carol together in celebration of God's generosity and love for you. Before we go, I'd like for us to just look deep within that light. And would you just make a new, fresh commitment to loving God with all your heart? Because he so loves you. And would you make a new commitment to be more generous with your life, your resources? That God would just pass his generosity through you to others? Let us pray. Father, thank you for coming to our world. We are in debt to you and your love that you went to that cross and you started like any other human being as a babe. Help us to love you with all our heart, soul, and mind. Help us to love our fellow man like you loved us. We need you and we ask these things in your precious name, of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And everyone said, amen. Well, on behalf of Faithbrook, on behalf of Terry and I, we wish you a Merry Christmas. Uh, you're welcome to distinguish your, your candle on your way out. You can put them in the trash uh, can. God bless and have a Merry Christmas.